the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast is an authentic space to talk about life and truth and love. This podcast has evolved, which is no surprise to me, because when you choose to live authentically, you experience a lot of change. Thankfully, it's always a positive change, because when you ditch the coulds and shoulds and let God lead, the outcome is always beautiful. This podcast started as a resource for recovering perfectionist, but has expanded into a place for all to come and be themselves, share their struggles and their victories, giving God the glory along the way. Our world today suffers from an excessive amount of pressure on all sides that leave an individual feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, and eventually hopeless. My guests and myself have experienced all these feelings at one time or another, which is why these stories and encouragements will inspire and uplift you. Hi friends, welcome to season three of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast. Season three has something extra special just for you. Along with the interviews you love from my authentic guests, you will have the opportunity to listen to the new free audio version of my newest book, The Relevant Old Testament, Illuminating Lessons from Imperfect People. I was inspired to create this audio version for those who want to listen during their commute or while doing the dishes. It is still recommended to sit down when you get a chance and go through this Bible study book as it involves a lot of one-on-one writing time with God. But I believe you will find this audio version helpful as you get started. Each chapter will be recorded as its own episode. Please feel free to share the listening links with your friends. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Today I will be reading chapter 3 of the relevant Old Testament, Abraham and Sarah. God invited Abraham on a journey, and Abraham said yes. And because of his obedience, God made him the father of nations. He promised Abraham, I will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Genesis 12, 2 through 3. He wasn't perfect, but he proved himself to be a faithful man of God. Sarah was Abraham's wife and endured and experienced many ups and downs, just like we do. Their journey to the promised land is one filled with beautiful lessons about obedience patience, and the faithfulness of God. Keeping your hands open. Abraham shows the faith of a willing heart, a true follower. Being able to move forward without knowing where your feet will land is the life of one who walks by faith in the one true God. Read and record. Today, start by reading Genesis 12. As you read, answer the following questions. So now, I'm going to read for you Genesis 12. Abram Journeys to Egypt 
Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, and from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and I on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. It came about when he came near to Egypt, that he said to Sarai his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. So please say that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. It came about when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore he treated Abram well for her sake, and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants, and female donkeys and camels. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged. Here's the questions. What did God ask Abram to do? Did Abram obey? How old was Abram when God called him? Who did Abram take with him? Was he supposed to take anyone with him? Why did Abram travel to Egypt? 
summarize what happens in verses 11 through 20. Now, I'm going to interject here and say um, these questions probably require you going back over the text like the rest. Um, So please make sure that you can find time to do that because I know you will get so much more out of it. All right, moving on. Let's relate. Abram left his home as God called him to, but he took his family with him when he wasn't supposed to. He lied to Pharaoh about his wife, and God still blessed him and still protected him for no other reason than because he said he would. Abram acted in fear too, which is why he lied, yet God didn't stop the blessings. Maybe you've never noticed those little details before. I didn't either. I remembered the story as it was told in the kids' Sunday school version. I think most of us do. We remember the Sunday school song. Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord right arm. Did you sing it? (laughs) Abram's story should be a great comfort to us. He didn't obey God perfectly, but not because he was trying to be rebellious and do things apart from him. Sometimes he forgot to ask God to clarify his instructions, and sometimes fear got in the way, just like it does with us. The important thing to hold on to here is that if God has called us, if we have accepted his gift of salvation and now claim our identity as a child of God, then we can trust God's faithfulness to us. Abraham is an extremely relatable character a great teacher of obedience, and an example of what it means to be a follower of God. The difference is the heart and the willingness to follow God's plan. If we are willing to follow, then we can rest in His promises. What a great God! He knows we can't do it perfectly, but He knows He'll be there to guide us through. Thoughtful Pause Do you think you would have obeyed so easily? Read and record. Read Genesis chapter 15 and pay attention to the way Abram speaks to God. So now I'll read Genesis chapter 15 for you. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans 
to give you this land to possess it. He said, O Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these things to him and cut them into two and laid each half opposite of the other. But he did not cut the birds. The birds of prey came down upon the carcasses and Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation, they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. It came about when the sun had set, that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite, and the Kenizzite, and the Cadmonite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Rephaim, and the Amorite, and the Canaanite, and the Girgashite, and the Jebusite. Questions. What happens in verse 1? How does Abraham respond in verses 2 to 3? How does God respond in verses 4 to 5? Write down what happens next in verse 6. What did God remind him of in verse 7? Summarize verses 8 through 19 in your own words. Let's relate. I love how in verse 3, Abram tells God, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. At least Abram was being upfront with God about his plans. But then God tells him, This son will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. In verse 6, it says, Abram believed the Lord, and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. Has God spoken to you, revealed exciting things to you, but then it seems to take too long and you just give up? Maybe you go another way. You take the path with clear visibility, even though God was beckoning you toward the narrow path that required your patience and trust. Or maybe you just sat down in the road and said, I'm not moving until you deliver what I want, God. Which one of these descriptions fits you? Circle your answer. One, the one who ignores and gives up. Two, the one who looks for a more comfortable path. Three, 
the one who is determined to change God's will to their own. 4. The one who gives God their patience and trust. Do you walk by faith, or do you let fear hinder the path God has for you? Most likely, if you've been a believer for quite some time, you fit all of these descriptions. Most likely, if you've been a believer for quite some time, you fit into all of these descriptions at one time or another. The good news is that no matter which category fits you best, it's all okay. That's what's so great about God. He desires our obedience, but he also knows that we are imperfect. This is why the heart matters so much. It's okay that we ask God questions when we are struggling with trusting him. He can handle it. Just make sure that in the end, you choose to trust and obey. There's really nothing beneficial that comes from not trusting God. If you ignore him, you don't win. You might deceive yourself for a while, but you don't win. The concept of keeping my hands open was taught to me in several seasons of my life, mainly pruning seasons, but also seasons of harvest. The idea is that when we keep our hands open, we minimize the expectation hangover that follows when something is taken away or the outcome doesn't happen the way we imagined. For instance, just a few years ago, I had a successful coaching business and I loved the work. I served my clients well, but in January of 2018, I sensed God nudging me to let it go. It didn't make any sense, so I thought it must be wrong. Why would God want me to give up a coaching business where I was positively impacting the lives of my clients and I enjoyed the work? But I obeyed. Keeping your hands open also means that you are willing and ready to receive whatever God brings your way. This was the case for Abraham. He remained pliable and open to God's call. In Genesis 15, 7-11, God just told Abraham again that he would possess the land. And Abraham asked, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession? In chapter 15, 1, God had just told Abraham that he would possess the land. But Abraham doubts him immediately. Isn't that so relatable? I know for me, God will speak, and many times my first response has been, but how? How will that happen? It's then that the Holy Spirit will remind me, well, because I just told you, and I am God, and I am the truth, so let me worry about the how, sweet child. And in case you forgot, nothing is too hard for me. Flip on over to Genesis 22 and read the chapter. We'll do that together in a minute. Put yourself in Abraham's shoes. Would you sacrifice your only child, the one that you have been waiting for all your life? Can you think of a time when God asked you to give up something that pained you? Abraham has been asked to sacrifice his only son, the heir to his countless descendants. Talk about a confusing request from God. Abraham's obedience in this situation is like no other, in my opinion. To my knowledge, no one else has been asked to sacrifice 
their son by God. So now I'm going to read Genesis chapter 22 for you. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for the burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now it came about after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, 
Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor. Uz, his firstborn, and Buzz, his brother, and Camuel, the father of Aram, and Chesed, and Hazo, and Pildash, and Jidlaf, and Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. His concubine, whose name was Rumah, also bore Teba and Gaham and Tahash and Makah. Now we're back. In Genesis 22.3, it says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac, which he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering. He set out for the place God had told him about. Notice how Abraham didn't even hesitate here. I can only imagine how hard this would be to sacrifice the one thing that God had promised for years. He finally had a son, the one who would carry his name and bring descendants as vast as the sand on the shore. And now God is saying, I want it back? Let's focus on this obedience. I don't believe this was just for Abraham. I believe God wants us to be willing to do this at any time. God wants us to be willing to give up all that he's given us. Think of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 16-30. Jesus asked the same of him. Give up all your possessions and follow me. And the rich young ruler did not pass the test. He walked away with shoulders sunk. Keeping our hands open to God. Keeping our hands open to all that God gives and takes is not easy, but that doesn't mean we are exempt. We are called to obey. If you don't feel you have had to let go in the way Abraham had to, then you may still be a believer and not yet a follower. God has created you with a divine purpose. When you answer his call, you can trust him to equip you and qualify you. To obey like Abraham, or Abram at this point, may seem impossible. I know, trust me, I know. But if you allow his Holy Spirit to mold you into the creation he always intended, you will be exactly who you need to be. Thoughtful pause. It's important to know that questions are okay. Abram had questions. What questions do you have for God right now? Offer those questions up to him. He will respond in his perfect timing. Abraham also experienced letting go of something that he really loved, just like I did my coaching business. What might God be asking you to trust him with today? When God takes a long time to answer. We have quite an amazing story in this chapter, and for more than one reason. First, God appeared to Abraham as three men. In all my life, I never remembered this part of the story. Could this have been the Trinity? Or at least a representation of the Trinity? Either way, Abraham was moved to action and awe. 
He runs to meet these three men, and as soon as he's close enough, he bows low and is eager to serve. These men had not announced themselves. They didn't say who they were, but God must have made him aware because Abraham knew. How incredible, how indescribable would it be to have God come meet you in the form of three men and for you to know it was God? I mean, wow. God meets me on my hikes through his creation, but to my recollection, never has he met me in human form. I'd like to think I'd remember something like that. Let's go back to chapter 18 of Genesis. I want you to think about who these three men might be that Abraham encounters. Can you see Abraham's honor and devotion to God here? So now I'm going to read for you chapter 18. And I love this story. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. When he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass by your servant. Please let the little water be brought and wash your feet. And rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves After that, you may go on, since you have visited your servant. And they said, So do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. He took curds and milk, and the calf which he had prepared, and placed it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, There in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah your wife will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. At this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Then the men rose up from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to send them off. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. For I have chosen him, 
so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. And the Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. Abraham came near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare the whole place on their account. And Abraham replied, Now behold, I have ventured to speak to the Lord, although I am but dust and ashes. Suppose the fifty righteous are lacking five. Will you destroy the whole city because of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. He spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose forty are found there. And he said, I will not do it on account of the forty. Then he said, Oh, may the Lord not be angry, and I shall speak. Suppose thirty are found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Now behold, I have ventured to speak with the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. And he said, I will not destroy it on account of twenty. Then he said, Oh, may the Lord not be angry, and I shall speak only this once. Suppose ten are found there. And he said, I will not destroy it on the account. I will not destroy it on account of the ten. As soon as he had finished speaking to Abraham, the Lord departed and Abraham returned to his place. So that is the end of chapter 18. And here are the questions. As you read chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, what observations or questions do you have? Continue reading Genesis 18, 6 through 15. And side note, my friends, um, we just read all of this. And answer the questions that follow. What does Abraham ask these men to do? Pay attention to the details in verses 7 through 8. How difficult and time-consuming would it be to prepare bread, cakes, and the tender and most choice calf? What happened in verse 9 with Sarah and the three men? What was Sarah's first reaction? Why did Sarah laugh? Let's relate. 
Abraham tells these men to sit and rest while he goes to get food and refreshments for them. The three men agree. He asked Sarah to bake bread from the finest flour. He selected the choicest meat to be prepared, and then he brought some curds and milk and set them before the three men. While they ate, he stood near them under the tree. My first thought was they didn't have refrigerators. How did Abraham or Sarah prepare any of this so quickly? I'm so tempted to go on a huge God time tangent, but I will resist. To me, this small passage feels so big. Abraham chose the choicest, most tender calf to serve these three men, who so far don't even have names. Sarah didn't just make bread. Abraham told her exactly how much to make. Three sias of the finest flour. I learned that three sias of the flour is equal to 18 liters, or about five gallons in volume. So that was a large lump of dough. To me, this shows a willingness on Abraham's part to sacrifice all that he had. I see reverence and awe from Abraham. He didn't even partake in this delicious meal. The three men confirm that Sarah indeed would have a son by the next time they came. Sarah laughed at this. She didn't believe this even though God had already promised it several times prior. She didn't believe it because of her age. In Genesis 18.5, Sarah tried to lie about her laughter and the Lord called her out and said, No, you laughed. This is a good reminder to us that there is no sense in lying to anyone, especially God. He always knows the truth. You can't hide from Him. You can only deceive yourself into believing you are hidden. Thoughtful pause. Is this relatable or what? How many times do we look at our age as a reason for not doing something? Have you ever given God a time limit? for him to answer your prayer? When the time limit was exceeded, did you declare that God's answer was no? We can learn from Sarah's mistake and believe that God will be true to his word no matter what. What is something that you have been struggling to believe will happen? What are some places that God has met you? Where do you feel his presence the most? Affirming faith. It is so important to affirm God's character and truth in our lives. When we don't, we get lost and or confused every time. When we affirm God's truth, we see Him at work. Sarah could have reminded herself that God had already promised her a child. Instead, she focused on the limitations of her age, and she doubted that it would happen because she had already been waiting so long. Take time now to write out an affirmation about what you believe God will do in your life. It could be as simple as, I belong to God. He will never leave me or forsake me. Try to be as detailed as possible, though. If there is something you believe God has put in your heart, but you haven't seen it come to pass, then start there. Read and record. 
Write out what you believe God is going to do in your life and affirm this with the truth of God's Word. This might be the hardest application practice in the whole book, so let me give you a better picture of what I mean. Let's relate. In October 2018, God whispered in my ear and told me to plan a retreat. Knowing it was God, I said okay. I prayed to confirm it was truly His Holy Spirit, and He answered back yes every time. So I got to work planning it. I've never been trained to be a speaker. I've never hosted a retreat, but God called me. To keep me on task and believe that God was in this, I reminded myself of the truth in God's Word through important characters in the Bible. Moses had no experience with being a leader or a speaker, but God wouldn't take no for an answer. And through Moses, Exodus 4.10, he freed his people from Egypt. Noah was not a carpenter, at least not to my knowledge, and he definitely wasn't a fisherman. He didn't even know what a boat was. He had never seen rain, and he had no support. Everyone thought he was crazy, and yet, through Noah, God saved a remnant of the earth. Genesis 6. Gideon was kind of chicken. He was definitely not a warrior, and yet, through Gideon, God defeated the Midianite army with just 300 men and no weapons. Judges 6-8. through eight. These stories remind me of the truth that God does not need the qualified to do His work. God qualifies those who are willing to serve Him in obedience. Affirming myself of the truth keeps the doubt that would hinder me at bay. Affirming yourself in the Lord of God's Word is essential if you are going to live a life glorifying Him and serving Him. If you haven't filled out that portion yet of what you believe God will do, head back up and do that now. In Genesis 18, 16-26, we see another example of affirming God's truth. Abraham pleads for God to spare Sodom from destruction, and he's pretty passionate about it. Some could take it as disrespect to instruct or question God in what he should do. But I think Abraham knew God's character and knew that God did not want to wipe out the whole city when there were still righteous people in it. So he was praying in the will of God, knowing God's heart is for the redemption of all people. I believe Abraham was affirming what he knew of God. The Lord worked with Abraham and agreed that if Abraham could find 50 righteous people, then he would spare the whole city. There are a few more negotiations that take place, and the number goes down to only 10. It's important to realize that God did not change his mind. No, God knows all, and I believe that this conversation between the two of them was a model to us and how we can approach God. It's also important to notice that Abraham didn't just ask for what he wanted. He asked boldly and respectfully for what he felt was in the character of God. Verses 27 through 28 say, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number 
of the righteous is less than 50. Will you destroy the whole city because of five? These verses show that Abraham knew his place. He refers to himself as dust and ashes, yet he comes boldly before the throne of God with a request. Abraham was affirming what he knew of God to God in prayer. It seems to have worked out pretty well for him. Thoughtful pause. When you make requests to God, do you know if they are within his will, his character? If not, I encourage you to find out. It's all in his word. It's all backed up through the ages. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 He never changes, and this is good. It means we can sincerely know Him and ask things of Him humbly and boldly. Confess your heart to God right now and truly let Him reign over this desire or struggle in your life. Let this be the time you truly let go and trust your Creator. Do you feel the desire in your heart? to honor God? Testing and provision. We're coming back to Genesis chapter 22. This story did not end in the sacrifice of Abraham's one true son. God provided a ram instead at the last minute. This message has had a deep impact on me. I have sacrificed in this way many times, and God often waits till the last minute, just like in this story. His tests have not been easy. Read and record. Read Genesis 22, verses 1 through 23. We've already read these, so I'm not going to read them again. And record your reactions and thoughts on this story. Normally, I have you answer questions, but this time, I want you to practice reading God's Word with intention. Use this space below or a separate journal to write down any thoughts, questions, or observations. So to my listeners, I would encourage you today, um, find some time to sit down with a notebook and the Bible and reread chapter 22, verses 1 through 23. Let's relate. I have paid a debt in the last hour of payment. I have arrived on fumes only to receive a gift card that I could use to fill my tank enough for the trip home and without anyone else knowing my financial situation on that day. One time, during the publication of my first book, God took me past the deadline and I'm pretty sure I had what you can only define as a nervous breakdown. In the morning light, he was there. He had never left and all was well. The payment I owed didn't get paid for another two months, but there was no penalty, and I waited through those two months with peace in my heart. The peace didn't come from the money. The peace came in his presence and in the absence of the money. In the end, the book was published, the fees all paid, and God knew it all along. In my story of intense testing and in Abraham's, I came to the same conclusion. God doesn't care about hurrying up like we do, because he already knows that his timing and execution are perfect. I feel like I have to add that this does not mean God is slow or that he's never done anything quickly. 
The main focus here is that whether God's timing feels slow or maybe too fast, it's always perfect and we can trust it. Thoughtful pause. Can you recall a time when God's timing surprised you? Ask God to help you recall an event in your life that you know he was involved in and take time to praise him for it. Okay, my friends, um, if you can't tell already, chapter three is a lot longer than the previous two. So I'm going to go ahead and split it up into two different episodes. So in our next episode, we will cover the sections of obedience and the power of prayer. So I hope you'll tune in with me. Hi, friends. I'm so glad you've been enjoying the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast and wanted you to know that if you'd like to support and help share its uplifting message, you can leave a positive review on Apple or Spotify. To donate 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month, simply click the anchor link in the notes of this show. Once you're on the Anchor homepage of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast, click the middle button that says support and select your amount and enter your info. It's quick and easy and will make a great impact on the lives of my family. Thanks for being with me today. Let's keep practicing saying no to perfect and yes to truth. Take care. Thank you.